Oh, hi, podcast listeners. There's many ways you can listen to The Real Nerds Podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can also subscribe on Stitcher Radio. You want to send us a Twitter message? You can do that. It's so easy, at Real Nerds. Like us on Facebook, Real Nerds Podcast. You can visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com, where there'll be a lot of articles for you to not only read, but to listen to our previous shows. Do you like your stories told through pictures? Then you can also follow us at Real Nerds on Instagram. You can also call us, 720-6Nerds5. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. This is Real Nerds Podcast, and for 10 years, we have been going to the movies and podcasting our experience to the world by seeing a new movie. This week, we saw Snake Eyes, G.I. Joe Origins. Colon Wolverine. (laughs) Stay tuned to the end of the episode, where we will tell you if we recommend the film or not, play the trailer, and then spoil the film. We also talk about movies that we have seen during the week movie news movies you can purchase movies 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 let me tell you about the movies kid come down to my office hey does does Um, that mean i can be in pictures sir (laughs) yeah but there's a certain couch you have to come to oh god ew 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 (laughs) Uh, also next week august 2nd which is monday we'll be recording our 500th episode can can which can Troy McClure kind of, host our special? <laughs> can who? <laughs> Troy McClure. You might remember him from <laughs> such. <laughs> I'm Troy McClure. <laughs> yes, Brad as Troy McClure hosting our 500th episode spectacular. We don't need another. We need another host like we need a hole in the head. <laughs> That's a horrible joke. Poor Phil Hart. <laughs> it, it, yeah. <laughs> but you know, get, just get ready, Ryan. The real nerds next gen. Brad will still be around, but then it'll be Kellen. It'll be James's kids. It'll be my nephew. <laughs> Brad's just gonna be like, "Why did I inherit this?" <laughs> Do you think those kids will actually even be into movies the way like things are going? They'll be like, into holograms like kids, and shit. <laughs> I feel like kids these I, days don't like anything older than them. I don't know. I take Kellen to movies all the time. I yeah. took him to Snake Eyes. He well, laughed I mean, at like a certain people, trailer. <laughs> people still watch movies, but like, like they're always yeah, no, a, my... a small segment of people who are you know, film nerds. But it's, you know, it feels like in general, like if you show kids the stuff we like, they're just like, "All right, cool, whatever." Yeah, and What's I, new? I think um, you know, I, I think the mystique sometimes is going away because of uh, streaming. You know, you, mm-hmm. you can. Yeah, I think it's really devaluing the product. Yeah, I agree, because I think there is um, something to be said about there is a problem with Netflix and the structure of their films, which I'll actually get into. I watched another Netflix film this week, and um, I I think, you know, some people say the studio system is not good with having someone oversee the films, but sometimes it is a good thing because there's a streamline and a pace to films that I think – netflix films and other streaming films doesn't have because they don't have the same oversight it's we want to be true to the artist's vision so we're not going to interfere with 
you know, what they want to do. But sometimes artists, especially in films, sometimes need to be reined in. I, I feel the same thing about Zack Snyder all the time. I feel yeah. like there's like it, there's obviously a compromise that should happen between like an artist, an artist unfiltered doesn't always translate as well as when they have some form of. I mean, this is this is the George Lucas Rick McCollum story all over again, where you know the prequels. I was say George Lucas too, yeah, yeah. Like, like that team tends to be my go-to example because when he's unfiltered, like it, it just doesn't come out the same way because he doesn't have people to bounce back off of. And I mean, the rate at which Netflix puts stuff out becomes so overwhelming to where I'm just like, I don't the the, the well, yeah. Well, Brad touched on it. It devalues it because it's all about content. It's not about yeah the quality we're trying because... to keep eyes on the screen for the maximum amount of time mm -hmm. exactly and that's why they don't care if they cancel a show after a season yeah because that show going back and watching it isn't what keeps people on their mind subscriptions you know besides you have the few breakthrough shows like stranger things and other shows like that but a majority of them is you yeah, know, you don't, I, I, you don't get subscriptions from people who are already subscribed. So you're constantly searching for new things to attract new people. Exactly. Mm -hmm. and, and, you, and you're just hoping I mean, that people don't fall off as you go. Which I just read an article where they did this last month or last quarter. Is a lot of people dropped <laughs> Netflix. One of them was so. me. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's um, yeah. So it, it has devalued the movies and there is something to be said about going to a movie theater yeah um guys i already got the irishman on blu-ray i don't need netflix anymore <laughs> yeah another case of hmm, should we rein in a filmmaker now ryan 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 <laughs> ryan ryan no other well, I, other films I mean, yes this one no <laughs> I, I, I like um zach snyder's cut of justice league but did he really need that many slow motion shots in it? I'm just saying. No, but if they were going to give him that money to do it, I guess that's that's what they're paying for. Is well, no, I know, I know that's what they paid for, but I'm at the studio. The studio is paying for that, not not the subscribers. I guess I don't get. I don't know if the subscribers care. There was a there was a show that I listened to that I listened to regularly that one of the uh, hosts, Kev. Uh, watched Zack Snyder's Justice League and he liked it a lot and so it, there is a there is a good audience out there for it that does appreciate what that full vision was so I mean I don't no know incentive to not take it out you know like there's no yeah that's what I mean that's yeah there, there's no incentive for them to take it out because why they're not going to release a director's cut of Army of the Dead on Netflix when Zack Snyder could just make the movie he wants to make and Netflix is, will say yeah sure because Someone only has to watch it for, I don't know, I think they said seven minutes, and then we count it as a view. Mm -hmm. So if they rack up the views, then they don't really care. Yeah. I don't know. It, it's what it is. And for, it, for all of the theater's problems, it's still, it still makes movies feel special. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think that is the problem. There's, I've read articles on Variety and Hollywood Reporter all week about is a pandemic to blame? Is it having movies available, um, you know, like Black Widow? And I mean, I think it's a combination, but I think it's more so of, well, I can go to the movies or I can just stay at home and order it. And I mean, I think you lose something when you order it because you also don't get the same um, bit rate on the screen. There's something lost when you stream it. 
uh, even in the, the sound. But, you know, to the average person, they don't care. Mm. That's how business has been for years. If you can make it for cheaper and faster. Um, and yeah, because they're, they're cutting out the middleman. You know, you, if you give you a product straight to you through Disney Plus Premier Access, then you cut out the exhibitors, the movie theater. So that's all freaking profit that they bring in. But yeah. I think it proved, though, too, with Black Widow. I mean, Black Widow's still going to make like $200 million. But you you've proven that if you do it that way, you're going to cut into your revenue big time. Mm -hmm. So we've got a piece of news, by the way, that talks about how that can be a further impact with uh, not Disney, but HBO. So, um, but yeah, uh, the show I listened to is film guff, by the way, really good show. Anywho, uh, Brad, you like to tell us what's happening around town. I'm married and I work all the time, so I can't get out as much as I used to. Let's go. Hey, film buddies. Follow me around Denver. Ah, you sucker. You'll never get to go to the 88 drive-in. Fuck. <laughs> uh, where you can watch uh, still The Boss Baby, Escape Room, Tournament of Champions, and F9, The Fast Saga. There you go. Um, hmm. Or you could be me, who hasn't made it to the Holiday Twin Drive-In at all yet this year, where they're showing Black Widow and Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard on one screen. Fuck, and... I forgot that came out. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Space Jam and New Leg Legacy and G.I. Joe Snake Eyes Origins on this, the other screen. Hmm. So Right on. And um, I've got one for the Dairy Arts Center. They will be showing Mandibles on Friday Night Weird this week. Uh, that's the new Quentin Dupois movie, uh, the guy who made Rubber. Uh, it, fe it features a giant fly who's a bank robber. So check it out if you guys want to support some indie cinema up in Boulder. My favorite shot, I, I actually own uh, Rubber on Blu-ray because I think it's so bizarre. <laughs> but I love, I love when the tire is just moving back and forth and grinding in like the gravel and it it's like <laughs> it's just, i haven't seen that movie in a while maybe i should watch that it's so fucking weird have you have any of you seen the trailer for the new for his new one mandibles at all i haven't seen the trailer but i think my favorite is his is wrong oh is that his follow-up after rubber yeah okay still haven't seen that but yeah mandibles looks fucking weird and i would be totally down to see if i didn't have to work that night um, yeah, that's it. Cool. Cool. Movies come out today, and you can buy them from several sources. Here's what's coming out on Blu ray DVD releases and Blu rays. Well, Ryan, are you getting the dead zone um, from Scream Factory? Uh, I will eventually, yes. But I did not, not get it this week because I got. Uh, the steel book for quiet place too. Ah, gotcha. Well, for anybody else who wants to be cool, you can pick up the dead zone from screen factory today. Uh, go to their website. You can also get, if, if that doesn't take your fancy, how about this brotherhood of the wolf from 2001? Who remembers that movie? I do. That movie's weird. Okay. I've never seen it still. I just remember that title. Uh, it's a French film and it's this epic historical film that also has werewolves in it oh okay neat 
I remember seeing it like multiple times, but I don't actually remember the movie, like what happened in it. Yep. Uh, that's why I'd be curious to watch again. Sweet. Yeah, I I, I would. I, I think the the Blu-ray that was like thirty bucks, and I really don't want to spend thirty dollars on it because I don't remember it, and I don't remember liking it enough to get spend thirty dollars on it. All right. <laughs> so well, how how much out? So is it would it be on the shout streaming? Oh, uh, I don't know. I mean, not everything that they acquire for release goes on the streaming service because sometimes those deals are separated out. They might be just licensing the title for physical media print. Um, I'll tell you what, Ryan, how about this? Do you want to spend tons of money on A Quiet Place Part 2 in 4K? You can either get a standard edition or you can get a cool steelbook. (laughs) I did get the steelbook. That set me me back 32 bones. 32 bones? Ooh, bones of the... The aliens that came over and enslaved Earth from with fear until Millicent Simmons stopped them. Why didn't they call that a quieter place? Because they didn't Um, need to follow a diehard model to be awesome. Uh, How about this? How about this? Vinegar Syndrome's got some new things coming out. They look insane. One's called Through the Fire from 1988. The other one's called Killer's Delight, which features, amongst other things, broken glass with somebody's big mouth on it. Uh, And then The Lamp, which looks like a genie movie if a genie movie were fucked up. Uh, So, yeah, if you like Vinegar Syndrome and all the fun stuff they have to offer, you could check that out. Not Vinegar Syndrome, but another um, (laughs) company I just found out is putting out a second Jack Frost movie, which I didn't realize existed. And Ryan had to tell me it's an actual thing. (laughs) Yep. I think that's Severin. Uh, yeah, that sounds that sounds about right. Uh, Arrow, though, is putting out the Dario Argento film the, B- the Bird with the Crystal Plumage from 1970. Um, and they are also putting out Vengeance Trails. And these are four Western classics. So you will get Massacre Time, My Name is Pecos, Bandidos, and And God Said to Cain. So four movies, 368 minutes of western thrills for you in your uh, in your good old uh arrow sack there um and let's see we're getting a 4k of the Beastmaster from vinegar syndrome uh from 1982 uh the don coscarelli film and let's see what else we got here we are getting the herculoids the complete series the complete original series of the herculoids uh courtesy of warner archives um we are getting Shenandoah, uh, a James Stewart film from 1965 from Kino Lorber. This looks... Yeah. uh, uh, Yeah. I'm a widow farmer, Charlie Anderson. I'm living a peaceful life with my six sons, and then something happens. You'll have to tune in and find out. Um, So, yeah, if you want to check that out, you can. Shout Select is putting out a movie called State in Maine from 2000, which features a very confused-looking Alec Baldwin on the poster looking at a very confused Sarah Jessica Parker on the poster. Uh, so if you want to see State and Maine and find out why they're so confused, check that out. Uh, and we got Kino Lorber's putting out Clay Pigeons from 1998 featuring Vince Vaughn, Joaquin Phoenix, and Janine Garofalo. This feels like a movie I should be aware of being a nerd, but I don't think I've ever heard of this. Ryan, have you seen Clay Pigeons? I mean, some people have seen Clay Pigeons, some haven't. I mean, you have the people over here who have seen it, and that's cool. That's my Vince Vaughn. <laughs> I thought that was your Quentin Tarantino for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> see the pigeons they're clay and that's what makes it so brilliant man <laughs> um this is the plot of clay pigeons 
Uh, he has a firm handshake, a ready smile, and some strange ideas about friendship. His name is Lester Long, and when the bodies start piling up, he generously decides to share the blame. Now the FBI has got the whole town under observation, and Lester has put his new friend Clay over a barrel. The only way for Clay to set things straight is to beat one twisted individual at his own game of deceit and double-crossing. I mean, okay, sure, I'm gonna have to check out clay pigeons to find out more um and it looks like uh, mimic the director's cut is being reissued if you haven't picked up mimic before now you have another chance to get it um we've also got chamber of horrors from 1966 coming out courtesy of shout factory this looks like it should be a scream factory but i'm not getting a confirmation it i'm assuming this is scream factory ryan it has to be it is i mean oh, shout and scream factory are the same company yeah i know it's just usually sometimes i guess it's not a collector's edition so that's why i'm not seeing the fancy uh fancy print there um it looks like mgm's or not mgm but uh miramax stuff is being re-released up the wazoo so there's new reissues of jay and bob clerks uh city of god etc you can check all those out um and this is one that ryan will i don't think you're gonna get this ryan but alien from la <laughs> from 1988 uh um, is getting it you know i would get that if it had the it's one of my favorite uh mst3k 3000 this is the burger gag episode. right <laughs> Uh, I love the burger gag, and it's just, it, yeah, it's just funny. Um, the movie's not that great, but I, I always am tempted to get it because I saw this Blu-ray was coming out, and it used to be a movie my friend Brandon and I used to rent all the time because we love Kathy Ireland. Mm -hmm. um, uh, the, there's one the joke. The movie's that, not good. No, the, there's one joke I remember it, from it is that, Dear Mom, the, Galan and Globus have signed me to their new picture. They're giving me $500. Um, is that that is a canon picture? I think actually it is. That's that's why the joke is so funny. <laughs> um, and then that looks like that's about it, guys. I'm not seeing anything else of any major import. Awesome. Movies have news, and we call it real news. It's real news. We got a bunch of trailers. Uh, why don't we talk about the big one first? Uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife. What's our thoughts, gentlemen? Looks like I, the I original with kids. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they didn't set it in New York. That's about, about the difference. Yep. That'll do it. That'll do it today. <laughs> um, I think it looks fun. Yeah. Looks yeah. well shot. Jason Reitman's a fun director. I'm sure we can uh, get an intri intriguing Ghostbusters movie out of him. Did they delay it again, or did they push it to November from last year? I thought it was come out in the summer. Yeah, I have it's November. no idea. Mm. <laughs> the, the 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 releases that we're getting this year that was supposed to be last year are like meshing together. That's why it feels like like you know why the Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard Ryan didn't stand out to you is because it was coming out with an onslaught of other movies that were backed up from last year. <laughs> it's squeezed between Eternals and Top Gun Two. Ooh. I, I have a feeling it could have some stiff, stiff competition. Like, that's going to be a cannibalistic week uh, or a but, month. Yeah, it's the second week of the month. Yeah. Mm, gotcha. Well, um, there's that's not all the trailers we got. We also got a trailer for the Child's Play TV series Chucky uh, from Sci-Fi. Um, looks fun. <laughs> I guess I just want to watch the show at this point because it feels like they've been setting this thing up for fucking ever. <laughs> 
Um, hey, Andy, <laughs> I have my own show. So is it just, is it like that they're going off of, I thought it was, I, I believe it's like they're going off of something like Child's Play 2, like they're continuing off of one of the films. They're not, I don't I know if they're. It's a continuation from uh, Colt, I think. I would hope so. <laughs> um, or is it Curse? Is it, is it Go Curse or Colt? I don't know. I think the latest one I think is really great. Colt of Chucky is the, um, is the, yeah. was the last one that we, because we did an episode on that at your house in the before times. Okay. That's right. Um, in additional horror news, um, we got a poster reveal for Jordan Peele's new project, which is called Nope. <laughs> um, there is no is plot. There, <laughs> there's no plot. There's a grumpy cat on the poster. No. That'd be awesome. <laughs> That'd be amazing. <laughs> it's he makes a, a horror film with grumpy cat. Ryan, it's the horror spinoff to Keanu. <laughs> the cat they saved gets very angry. <laughs> Um, no, but we do know that amongst the cast will be Daniel Kaluuya, Kiki Palmer, and Stephen Yun uh, from Minari. So, uh, amongst other things. So, um, yeah, we will have to wait until July twenty second of twenty twenty two to figure out what's going on with Nope. The poster is interesting to me. I guess it, it, it's it's a cloud with a kite tail floating uh, below it, and it looks like it's above a fair or a carnival. So. I'm expecting something very twisted and insane. Um, and I will be there opening night because uh, Jordan Peele has uh, earned my faith and trust in this point. Um, in fact, he earned it pretty much the moment I got out of Keanu. Anywho, um, we saw a movie last week called Space Jam, A New Legacy. I think we can all agree mm. that Space Jam is not necessarily our cup of tea. Um, that being said, you know, I, I personally think that you know, if if you liked it and enjoyed it, I I'm uh, more power to you. It, it 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 can be a fun time under the right circumstances, I suppose. But the one person you know, who I thought is... about it this week, mm-hmm. and it's actually my favorite movie of the year now. Really? What? I had all that, I had all that time to think about it. You know, <laughs> between this last week and this week, so <laughs> really come around <laughs> and reconsider my position on it. So don't let me in with you guys. That's oh, not fair. No, I I will say as much as I did not like Space Jam: A New Legacy, it, I by no means is it my me saying that you should not necessarily go see it because if you got kids and you want to have a fun time with the Looney Tunes, technically you can't go wrong here. Um, but the original director of the first Space Jam, Joe Pitka, had some words to say. <laughs> Um, he spoke with Entertainment Weekly recently, and he had this to say. And I, I thought it was interesting bringing this up because of what the original Space Jam is, period. I've worked with three people that have this magical quality that, af- that they affect people no matter what. They, seem, uh, they see them and some light goes on. Michael Jordan, Michael Jackson, and Madonna. All three have this quality where people connect immediately without understanding anything about them and nobody else has that quality lebron is a fantastic basketball player he's a top 20 basketball player of all time he is not michael maybe they should call it something else they should call it they should not call it space jam 2 or whatever it should be another movie it's not space jam space jam is michael jordan no matter how much lebron wants to be a great player and he is a great player he's not michael jordan there will never uh, be another michael jordan um I, I i i think somebody's angry because if we're gonna go literally says it's a new legacy i don't yeah 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 somebody's angry that another director technically directed a better movie than him from a from a technical standpoint 
So I, I just don't really care. But it just found it interesting that like the original, the director of the original Space Jam, who, by the way, it's been reported throughout the production history that he was removed at a certain point and that other people had to finish his work, that uh, th- that somebody's just, you know, got a little bit of anger in their britches that their feature film career didn't take off. I don't know. Just just to me. Um, and also, uh, just because Michael Jordan is one of the greatest basketball players of all time does not mean that other basketball players aren't going to emerge and um, uh, take over his throne. And um, it's as if, though, things keep moving and evolving and changing and growing. So, yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't like Space Jam, A New Legacy at all, but LeBron James is a better actor than Michael Jordan. <laughs> yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Not even a question. Um, so, yeah, um, we've got an update in the ongoing feud between Dwayne Johnson and Vin Family Diesel. Um, I, 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 Ryan, I think it sounds like The Rock is exiting this franchise. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Well, why would he? He doesn't need it. Yep, he doesn't need it. He's got Jungle Cruise. <laughs> well, Jungle Cruise like he, coming out. And he's got and, uh, Black Adam. Yeah. And whatever other like, movie he's doing. Sounds like he left before this nine was even made. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I think he did Hobbs and Shaw, which maybe was a... I mean, it's a fun movie, but maybe it's a contract thing where he had to be in four of them. Um, but he doesn't need it. I mean... <laughs> And he's way he's a better actor than Vin Diesel. I don't think Vin Diesel is a good actor at all. And we talked about it on our episode where it felt like F9 was a course correction for Vin Diesel's ego. Um, and it's just not as good. He's not as charismatic. There's no way I would see Vin Diesel be the lead in a superhero movie. I don't mind him as I am Groot. Um, he doesn't do anything. But yeah. It's, uh, I feel like The Rock has Schwarzenegger's charm, but like better. Mm. Yeah, no, I agree. I, it, you know, there, there's something he has this magnetism about him, and you know, The Rock actually seems like a genuinely nice dude, mm-hmm. um, where Vin Diesel does not. <laughs> and uh, the quote that Johnson gave uh, seems to affirm your statement, Ryan, because he was very, very uh, kind in his response to Diesel's comments about having to give t- uh, to give tough love towards Johnson uh, on the set of this because he goes, I laughed and I laughed hard. I think everyone had a laugh at that, and I'll leave it at that. And that I wish them well, and I will wish them well on Fast Nine, and I wish them the best of luck on Fast Ten and Fast Eleven and the rest of the Fast and Furious movies they do that will be without me. Yeah, that too, and obviously Finn Diesel has no idea what The Rock said, because The Rock's real problem with him is he would show up late constantly and hang out in his trailer. Mm-hmm. In the original thing, I don't know, was it like three years ago? He he said that he loved all his co-stars, his female co-stars were badasses, except for one guy who would make everybody wait around for him because he was in his trailer. Yeah. That's the tough love he's talking about, that he, he's not a prick? <laughs> Come on. I don't know. All I all I know is, I mean, I don't know. Dwayne better watch out because he's got Jungle Cruise, but does he have family? I don't know. I don't know. No, he's gonna be fucking fine. Yeah. You know, Finn Diesel will never work with Tom Cruise. I know that. Yeah, you Why? won't show up late on a Tom Cruise movie because you are fucking gone. You got me. You are fucking gone. Can I can I tell you something, Ryan? When I watched the Top Gun Maverick trailer. Ahead of our movie of the week. I I, I know this is 
placating to your dream list. It's been a while since we've seen John, Tom Cruise do a drama movie, you'd say. It's been a while. Oh, yeah. It's been a good hot minute. And I know I've pitched George Clooney in this role before, but I could see Tom Cruise pulling off a Cary Grant. I could see it. Sure. I could see it. He's yeah, a, if he would, something he wants to do. I, I don't think he's interested in dramas right now, though. No, he's not. But you got to imagine he wants at least one more Oscar nomination in his life before he catapults into space permanently. I, mean, I don't know. I mean, if you listen to him talk, all he wants to do is entertain people. That's his, that's his number one goal. There you go. Uh, I was just thinking about it, just looking at him walking around in the in that kind of like dis- he, he's got a distinguishment about him now these days. I'm just like, maybe <laughs> I <Yeah>. don't know. <laughs> Perhaps <laughs> it's not like it's not my ideal casting. I, I already said what my ideal casting would be, but I I, I, I could see that happening. Um, and uh, additionally, we've got some Warner Brothers news that 10 original movies will be heading straight to HBO Max uh, in 2022. So it looks like the the further uh, uh, progression of directed streaming uh, via a lot of the bigger studios is as strong as ever. Um, I don't know. Uh, they did not... Uh, make the they didn't make the clear what the f- exact films would be but oh, ill dead rise is one of them yeah i don't know i don't know how i feel about i don't know well, how i feel I about mean, them doing it further <laughs> well i mean they're gonna do it netflix puts out fucking 10 movies a week yeah i guess just <laughs> this just... way it is now this upsets me <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Like, I guess we had this conversation up at the top, so I guess it doesn't really, like, we don't need to go any further into it. Um, moving on, though, guess what's coming back, guys? Paranormal Activity. Hooray! Um, yeah, I, I guess they've already shot uh, somebody, uh, shot, shot it, and it's uh, going to be released fairly soon. It's got Will Eubank, who was the director of the movie Underwater, um, and the screenplay is written by Happy Death Day's Christopher Landon. Uh, so yeah, um, we'll see what goes on. Uh, did you guys what at what mo- what point did you check out of that franchise? Uh, after the first one, I mean, but you kept seeing yeah, when some I, other ones. <laughs> when the, all I had to do when the premise is, is oh my god, a lamp moved. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm good. I watched the other ones, but like I wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't because I, I was I, like, "Oh, I need to see these again." It was just like, "Oh, I think it's an assignment for this week." <laughs> yeah, I think I watched up to the third one. I don't even know how many there are. I liked the third one a lot, and that was my favorite of the of the series. Um, I don't rem- I know I saw the last one. That's what I remember. Um, but yeah, so we, anyway, if people like the Paranormal Activity movies, you're getting a reboot. So, congratulations, you made it work. And the last piece of news, I thought this was very cool. Um, Lena Waithe uh, has been making her name known for most of us. And uh, she recently did a documentary series called Soul of a Nation. And now she will be doing a documentary called Being Mary, the Mary Tyler Moore documentary. Um, nice. Her quote on the matter is that um, we love Mary for embodying the modern woman on television and defining a vision 
of womanhood that continues to inspire generations of Americans. In being Mary, we will honor that legacy by sharing her brilliant and nuanced life, says Adolphus, who is one of the additional creators of this piece. So, yeah. Oh, James Adolphus. Um, so it's Lena Waithe and James Adolphus together. So, yeah. Um, I'm surprised it take, took this long to make a Mary Tyler Moore documentary, to be honest. Seems like that should have happened a long time ago. Um. Yeah. People have made documentaries. They're usually just on TV. Yeah, but I meant more in terms of the like the impact that sh that her show had. Like, I know that they've had like behind the scenes documentaries on television, but like somebody not wanting to do that as a documentary feature film has always seemed that seems kind of strange to me. But, anyways, it's happening now, courtesy of Lena Waithe. So, hooray! And that's news. You watch movies throughout the week in a segment we call what we've been watching so uh yeah this is the stuff we've been watching brad what'd you watch this week uh quite a bit uh ted lasso season two dropped and i forgot that i watched season one all in one night because it had been out for a while and all the episodes are posted so i got to the end of the episode when i was like oh right i can only watch this one episode and I have to wait another 10 weeks to watch the rest of it. Dang it. Should have mm. should restarted my Apple Plus later. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's uh, still pretty good. It's kind of a soft season opener because uh, it, was, it was really about getting all the characters reacquainted and reminding you of the previous season. Um, and they introduced a new character. There's a team psychologist who gets hired. And at first you're like, okay, well, there's this new character. Big deal. And then by the episode, you're like, oh, shoot, this is his big dilemma as coach. This team psychologist is going to do so much better than him uh, counseling these people. And, you know, the thing that makes Ted special is that he can, you know, he's an idiot at coaching soccer, but he's really good at motivating people. And now someone else is doing that job better than him. And that's where the season's headed. And I was like, Oh man, I feel so dumb for not recognizing that until the very end scene. Um, so that's cool. Um, and then because I had Apple plus and there was only that one episode to watch, I also started watching physical, which is Rose Burns, uh, show about, um, this woman in the eighties. Um, she has an eating disorder and, uh, her marriage is, kind of falling apart um her husband loses his job and um she f falls under the spell of i guess jazzercise um while she's walking around the mall she stumbles into watching um an aerobics class and she just gets really into it and then she starts finding all these ways to um turn that into a business so she can make money because apparently she has blown their savings on these um I guess retreats to like a motel where she orders like f five orders of cheeseburgers and like eats them all and then throws them up. And uh, yeah, now she's kind of broke. And then her, her husband decides to start running for city council. Um, he's played by Rory Scovel and, you know, suddenly they need campaign cash and there's none. So she does all these weird uh, like under the table deals to try and get money. Um, all the while there's like an inner monologue. So she'll be talking to the characters and then she'll talk to herself in a mean, sarcastic way about them, usually about their appearance. Um, or she'll be hard on herself about her own weight and stuff. So, um, 
Yeah, it's it's a little bit of a glow vibe with like the aesthetic, obviously because it's the mm. '80s, but um, it's also uh, very feminist. Um, so, uh, but yeah, it's it's intriguing where it's it's going. I, I watched I think eight episodes. Um, so I mean, I'm guessing there's ten in the end of it. So I'm almost the end of the season, but she just got found out um, by her, the campaign manager for her husband's campaign that she's got two uh, ledgers going. Um, so uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's interesting. Like Rose Byrne obviously steals the show. Um, she's great. I think she's one of those people that is really great in everything and should get more props, you know? Yeah. Um, she obviously gets the most screen time and in addition to just acting with the characters on the screen she's got also got the inner monologue which is fascinating so like, her character is not like a great person though so you're not it's hard to mm. beat behind her you know as a protagonist but um it's still a pretty interesting watch and her husband's like constantly you know he's a good family guy but he's clearly trying to seduce younger women around him in the campaign and like he lost his job because he uh he got caught flirting with his students so yeah i uh i had apple plus free for a year and all i did was watch um the snoopy show and mm -hmm. i forgot that my free year ended last month and so i've been paying for it for two months and i haven't even watched it since so yeah you should yeah, watch should Ted lasso and physical then because yeah think they're both pretty good i, I think i should <laughs> yeah um yes yeah, so that's tv uh then at the theater um i first watched in the same day the roadrunner the documentary about anthony bourdain mm. a guy whose name i've heard because he had travel shows but i never watched any of them and then obviously he uh, killed himself a couple years ago so i knew about that by you know i other than that, I knew nothing about him, you know, just seemed like another Chef Ramsay type guy, right? Mm -hmm. Except less mean, I guess. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it was a really like sobering watch of just how someone could be so, have so much access to the world and still feel so alone. Mm. Um, like he's always, like he grew up with drug problems and they don't really get into his early life at all in the documentary. Like it just starts when he writes his first book and goes on from there. And um, yeah, he writes his book and then a bunch of producers get him to do a travel show that doesn't take off right away, but eventually he settles into it. And then he gets more interested in the travel than the, his, you know, his restaurants and his first yeah. marriage falls apart. And then he pretty much only does goes into traveling the world and um you know finds this peace there but uh and then he like f uh finds a new wife and has a kid and like that kind of centers him but then, then eventually he gets restless again and travels a bunch and that falls apart um and by the end of the the movie you're just kind of realizing that there's something about this guy that he struggles with being alone but he also has to be on the move all the time. Mm. And so I think the combination of those things, and then um, he had like a relationship with Asia Argento right before he died. And I guess she was uh, kind of on the outs with him. So I, I think that pushed him over the edge. Mm. He had this, I'm guessing something from his early childhood had um, like made him feel 
alone. He's always been searching for that. And so he's traveled the world for the rest of his life and never found it despite having like access to all these exotic places. Um, yeah. We could ever find anything like close to him to satisfy him, you know, which just, yeah. Yeah. It, it's a sad story. I, I'm, I want to see the movie, but Neville made a decision in that movie that I don't know if I agree with, which is using the artificial AI to have him say things at the beginning of the movie that he did not say. Um, I find yeah. that troubling. That's a probably not ethically okay, but um, there's a couple other things like again, like with uh, the loneliest whale. Again, like the documentary filmmakers are kind of characters in the movie, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of odd. Um, not to the extent that the loneliest whale was, but like I think a couple times um, you know, they show behind the scenes of you know who's making it is involved in the actual documentary. Um, yeah. It just it just seems like that the it seems like the intent, however noble it is, comes off as disingenuous when I mean, especially if especially if Neville's making a claim that the um, his former wife was OK with this. And then the former wife goes on Twitter and goes, excuse me, I did not approve of this. So but I mean, that doesn't take away from the fact that I'd be interested to see what Neville's put together. Cause I think Neville's a good document can be a good documentarian, but um, yeah, I think it's important to remember, like this isn't the documentary about Anthony Bourdain. Like it's, you know, it's advertised that to get like that to get in the theater. But with most celebrities, multiple documentaries get made about them from many different people. So mm-hmm. it's like, this is one and you should probably watch multiple to get all the information and decide yeah. what matches up. So, um, you know, I, I'm not watching this and going like, you know, all these things are true about Anthony Bourdain. I'm just like, you know, it's one of many insights. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's what I, more than just learning about his life, what I got out of it was just like watching, like with most celebrities, you know, these people who have a lot of access to everything you think would be happy and they're not. No. Yeah. It's it's, still an empty void. It's not a new story. Yeah. Um, But it's interesting to hear that perspective though, from a guy who, uh, who meant a lot to a lot of people from what I understand. So, yeah, but I'm also a guy who like had for a person who is that famous around the world. I really didn't hear know about that much about him until he died. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, so that was good. And then the right away, uh, I saw pig right after that. Huh. And, uh, that was really good. And I wasn't, after the first act or so, I wasn't sure. But then by the end, I was like, wow, <laughs> this movie. Um, you know, I'm so used to uh, Nicolas Cage getting like, he's the wild, like unhinged actor who will, um, you know, take his performance to every end of the spectrum. Um, like that's his stick now. And this movie is not that. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I went into it thinking that was going to happen. And this is a straight up, like, real dramatic earnest performance of a guy dealing with loss um and it is a it is a very slow burn but it's very satisfying by the end of it um and it's just uh very early on he's just a loner in the woods with this pig and he uses that pig to hunt for truffles to sell them to the portland restaurant scene and in the middle of the night a bunch of assholes come by and steal his pig and uh beat the shit out of him 
And then he has to work backwards to find out where his only friend in the world is at now. Mm. Um, and you, it takes you to the weird underbelly of the Portland restaurant scene uh, where there's like fight club <laughs> level uh, underground street fighting and, um, you know, Godfather level restaurant tours. Um, and there's something I really want to say, but I can't because it's so good. It'll spoil it uh, regarding his performance. But I, I think I just have to save it because it just helps with the anticipation so much. But um, yeah, he's uh, yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll leave it there. Cause I feel like I'm going to like, yeah. yeah, it's, it's, it's fantastic. I, I think I got to go check it out this week. Then this is the, this is the fourth review i've heard somebody say that this is not the nicholas cage you're expecting and i'm just i'm too excited now yeah not at all like oh god that's good <laughs> it, it it's it's like willie's wonderland where he t says so little but it's also not over the like insane you know mm -hmm. like it's just it's just a, like an understated dramatic performance and uh it's also shot really well like it, the movie looks gorgeous too i forgot to say that so and then there's like you know uh, i guess the part i can't say is he's a former like celebrity restaurant um he's a former celebrity chef mm. um so he's got this mystique about him and you're for most of the movie you're wondering like why did he leave all that and i thought that was fun after i just watched the roadrunner documentary <laughs> um and there's here's another guy in a fantasy world dealing with loss um so i was like wow that's a weird double feature i walked into <laughs> We're, weirdly connected yeah um so um but yeah it's uh that's great and i think that's it i watched i've been watching a uh, snl um i finished all the recent stuff and i've gone back to watching from the second season on and i'm in season four now and uh, uh season three it's really picking up into the show that we know it is today like they've really ironed out all the the kinks and uh you know it's kind of running on the the uh on the rails that we've known it for for 40 years mm -hmm. um who's the big cast it, member there on, on that season i was shocked I, I thought chevy chase was on longer but uh he only lasts until like the first episode of the second season so now it's just uh Bill Murray, John Belushi, Gilda Radner, Lorraine yeah. Newman, Garrett Morris. Garrett Morris like doesn't get enough appreciation for how great of a singer he is. Oh, singer, comedian. That guy was fucking great. He's still, I mean, I think he's still alive actually, so he's still great. Yeah. I didn't know he was such a great singer. Like obviously he's a great comedian already, but like also it's kind of sad because he's often in sketches either with other people like he's just like a side character or he has to do his own sketches. Mm -hmm. to be a main character which is really disappointing and then a lot of john belushi's sketches are really mean to women <laughs> yeah um, um like he's often you know fake punching out gilda radner or lorraine newman and um they do joke about like even as early on as then about how he and chevy were both the ones with the big egos i guess well, che no, Chevy was Chevy was the egomaniac. John had one, but I but John was able to get along with everybody. That was the difference. And 
Well, there was a closing, uh, you know, like the end of the night scene where the host was up, um, and then I think they had to like improvise to like run out the time because they ended early mm -hmm. and suddenly john belushi stepped up and started just like improvising this random bit mm -hmm. and then dan Aykroyd just steps up like right in front of him and changes the bit and does his own thing about like he just thanks like other people yeah almost to say like stop making this about you dude it's the end of the show yeah um, um i do know that there was uh, that particular i'm trying to remember if it was jim or if it was bill but when Chevy comes back in the middle of, I think it's season two, um, to host the show after he had left, um, there was backstage tension like crazy. And I believe it might have been with Bill because Bill was the new kid on the block. And there was some kind of like there was this feeling that Chevy Chase leaving early was like him getting way too big for his own britches. And there was just animosity like permeating the room. Yeah, there's um, jokes in the episode about how he's like already into his movie career. Yeah, and and that's very much a a, res, a result of them there still being some residual effects from him just leaving early all of a sudden because there really was no reason for him to leave as early as he did, other than him just having a big old ego about it. Um, yeah, and, and now in season four, uh, Animal House has come out, so like there's a lot of jokes about John Belushi doesn't need the show anymore because he's got a movie career going. Yeah, um, and like. I mean, arguably, uh, arguably, John's become the star at this point by season two or three. Um, so it's and Bill Bill Murray's like ma cementing his footing there. Um, yeah, he just took over a weekend update from Dan Aykroyd. Mm -hmm. I'll tell um, I'll tell you who doesn't get enough credit on that show is Jane Curtin and Lorraine Newman. Those two rock. Oh yeah. Oh god, yeah. Um. Uh, also, Steve Martin and Buck Henry, like <laughs> hosting twice per season, just like, like wow, I've I've seen them so much in just four seasons. Like mm -hmm. obviously, Steve Martin, he's the second longest host behind Alec Baldwin at like fifteen. Yeah, I think shows, um, but like most of those shows are from these first four seasons. It's just like it's weird to see a host that many times, like twice in one season. Yeah, and then. Each season, you know, him and Buck Henry just are on so much. It's almost like their show. It's almost like if they could have gotten them on a permanent basis, they would have reached for that. But they were already so big that there was no way Lauren's show was going to tap them at that point. Like it wasn't the big behemoth that it was that it is now. Um, yeah. And I mean, I love Buck Henry stuff on it, but this is around the time when Steve Martin starts doing Two Wild and Crazy Guys, which I don't know how well that bit holds up anymore, but. It's also his... the worst one. There's a Buck Henry one where the, the sketch is just he's an uncle who is a perv to mm -hmm. his nieces, Gilda yeah. Radner. And I think it was the rain. Newman. So it's just him like trying to sneak photos of them or try to get them to like ride into his lap. It's like, <laughs> ugh, so gross. Yeah. Like I was adults, but just the implications of the sketch, like that's it. Like <laughs> there's no punchline other than that, that he's just a creep. Yeah. Um, yeah, and the, yeah, the, then there's like John Belushi's samurai. Um, he's just like doing Asian caricatures. You've already there's got even like a cold open where he shows like, no, 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 my performance uh, of this like Chinese leader is different from the samurai because Japanese do this and Chinese do this. And I'm like, oh god, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And but you also got um, 
Steve Martin and the Conehead sketch at this point, right? Yeah, a lot of Conehead sketches. Those are fun. Um, and there's also like Bill Murray and Gilda Radner are like this like geeky couple or something. Like they're they can't tell if they're boyfriend and girlfriend or just uh, platonic friends, but they're just just there's a couple of weirdos. I don't know. Yeah, I forget what their character names are, but it's it's like it's 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 flat out like awkward flirtation like that yeah. like the basis of the sketch it, it is adorable it shows you how well bill how great an actor bill bill murray was even that early on so um and it also reminds you how great gilda radner was uh yeah that's why i watched <laughs> zach um i did not watch a ton um mostly looney tunes um i had to do research for a ballyhoo on mel blank because uh, we covered one of his radio shows, um, which was the Mel Blanc show, because um, he did a bunch of radio shows, but that was his own show. And we, I had a guest on where we talked about why that show didn't succeed, where pretty much everything else Mel Blanc touched turned to gold. Um, but it compelled me to go back to the Looney Tunes. Um, so I popped in. I finished up the entirety of the Bugs Bunny 80th anniversary um, box set because um, I'd only gotten through the first disc the, when I got it. And all those cartoons are uh, double dips from the Golden Collection, but they look so beautiful. Like, it's hard for me to watch the versions that are on my Golden Collections ever again because there's just detail that those guys took the time and effort to clean up that I was texting Ryan, like, it's so great that they did this. I just need them now to start applying this to all the other Looney Tunes because... There's no reason we can't have Daffy Duck tar- dark cartoons look this neat and clean. Like Duck Amuck needs to be remastered the way all these Bugs Bunny cartoons are being remastered. Um, and it just, it looks incredible. It, you get lost in a painting, whether it's Frizz Freeling, McKimson, Jones, or Clampett. It's it's all magical. Um, and I went back to the older Golden Collections to kind of watch some of the other uh shorts that I hadn't gone back to in a while. Um, I, I, it was interesting watching, um, a particular one involving Porky and a, and a, and a stray dog who wants Porky to adopt him because the opening, and I texted this to Ryan, but the opening is like a dog announcing, like, it's a, it's a new thing. Everything, it should happen, have, you should have one in every home. What is it? It's, it's, and it, and it just goes to a card of him going me. And then he just starts looking cute. And I sent that to Ryan. I was just like, this is how Laura is going to get you to buy a new pet. <laughs> just this like this elaborate scheme. Um, and there's I hadn't gone back to the ones where either Bugs or Porky go to a European land because they do this a couple times where uh, Porky goes to Ireland and runs into the leprechauns. And I hadn't watched that one in a while. And that one made me giggle especially by the end where you, you think it's all been a, a ruse. And then it turns out, obviously the, the leprechauns were, you know, enchanting Porky the entire time. Um, and then Bugs Bunny running into the Scot- uh, into the people in Scotland is, is, is quite funny. There's a lot of outdated Scottish jokes in it, uh, but it's still beautifully animated and good to look at. Uh, and then one I watched today before recording, which I hadn't seen in, a, in forever is uh, Bugs Bunny goes to France and uh, fools two uh, chefs into basically preparing themselves to be put into an oven for dinner. <laughs> uh, and uh, 
the way Bugs Bunny is looking around at the different um, landmarks of Paris before he realizes he's in Paris just made me fall off my chair laughing. <laughs> he's just like, the Eiffel Tower, the Couche de Jure, I must be in Paris. <laughs> like, it's, just the, it's just the buildup that I just love. Um, and uh, I, w- I actually went back and did something that I've been wanting to do for a while with these cartoons, with Clampets in particular. As I went through Wabbit Twubble, which is a early Clampet outing with uh, Elmer Fudd and Bugs, and this is Fudd before he really gets streamlined into the thinner persona, because Elmer Fudd's been through like several variations. He's got like a bigger head but the smaller body in one iteration, and then he's got a smaller head and bigger body in the other iteration, and in the final iteration, it's kind of like this mesh between. Uh, the, like a, a, a reduced version of the earlier appearance. And um, I freeze-framed, I want to say, three key scenes uh, or setups in that cartoon, and I just looked at the individual drawings and how they stretched. And Darabont is the one that points to this in all the documentaries. It's like if you freeze-frame them, they're just like their own painting. And now I'm convinced if there's ever a way to find the in-between art for a Clampet short that exists somewhere, it's highly doubtful it does. If it does, I want to get one of them because it is like a, a an impressionist painting that he makes of the Looney Tunes cartoons. It just looks incredible. Um, and those are even on standard def and they still look amazing. Um, and then the only other thing that I watched this week, apart from listening to that first uh, hour of the Cary Grant series from Secret History of Hollywood, which is amazing. You should check out his Patreon. It's great. Um, but uh, I saw a movie called uh, uh, Jour Defeat uh, from 1949 uh, by Jacques Tati. Um, I'm doing this for an upcoming Valley Who. Uh, this is a movie that before I was even finished with it, I texted a picture of the of the title to Ryan, and I was like, Ryan, I know you don't like French films, but this is a French film I think you might like. Um it's basically about a postman who is a cycling, a cyclist postman in France um, in the post-war years um, who is delivering mail on his regular route to this very small village. Um, and he is very, uh, he's kind of like a amalgamation of Keaton and Chaplin and all the different silent comics from America rolled into one little ball. Um, and you just see like a series of comedic stunts by Jacques Tati playing the re- lead role as this postman Francois. And I have not laughed so hard in a while at a movie that wasn't like from the golden age of Hollywood or like just like just just seeing something different and seeing it from a new lens was really cool. Um, there's stunts in this movie that put any... Anytime somebody's done a bicycle routine in a movie, even Pee Wee, they're all put to shame by Jacques Tati. Like it's it sounds rough to say, but the stuff that he's doing on this bike for my comedic amusement is amazing. Um, There is a scene where he is sketching off of a the back of a truck, where he there's a conveniently a desk um in the back of this truck, and he starts writing out. the the postal information and putting stamps on the letters he's about to address before uh 
hopping back on his bike and getting off of the truck. <laughs> like it's just an incredible sequence. And at one point I wanted to take that still the, the, the clip of this and set it to the power of love by Huey Lewis, because it just reminded me so much of Marty McFly in back to the future. Um, so yeah, if you're looking for something from outside of the U S that kind of emanates the, the feel of early, early film comics from, from America, uh, this movie may be right up your alley. Um, it's it's just delightful, and it's only eighty seven minutes. So you're in dialogue is not really important. It's not it's far from pretentious. Like it's the movie could have literally been made in America. It just happened to be made in France. So so there's probably lots of cheese and wine. No, no. You know what there is though. I found this interesting. So like one of the one of the instances in the film is that uh, he they learn through this documentary film, which is clearly a fake spoof documentary made inside the movie, um, that American postmen are more efficient because they don't rely on bicycles anymore. They now literally, they show this documentary footage of people being repelled into tall buildings. And they claim that these are the way mailmen in America work. (laughs) Um, and then they show footage of a, uh, of a male model contest and say like every year in America, uh, the, the U.S. votes for the sexiest postman on their block. <laughs> um, so they just find a way to work with like archive footage to tell this story of like France feeling inadequate from America's post-war momentum um, after having come off of the war and being the only real financial superpower left after everything was devastated. Um, so it, it really, like I said, it, it doesn't really feel pretentious because it is like getting down to earth. There's not a lot of wine, Ryan, but there's cognac drinking in this movie up the wazoo. Like everybody's drinking cognac. Um, so they're going off stronger liquids. And at one point, Jacques Tati tries to ride his bike through a bush and it does not work. And it is funny as shit. Um, anyway, that's all I watched this week. Yeah, I didn't watch very much. I watched, um, I rewatched 21 Jump Street. Hmm. Um, because uh, our 100 favorite films is coming up and just going through the list I says I haven't watched that in a while and it's still really funny you know you always (laughs) you catch things in movies like that that you might have missed before or you know things you've loved I I I love when uh, Schmidt comes back home and he says mom why is this why do you have this here it looks like I fucking died in a car accident (laughs) <laughs> like a shrine to him I look like and uh, Fred Savage from the Wonder Years yeah that's so funny and they have um the when uh he comes he's late getting to the play as Peter Pan and Rob Riggle's character is like boo fuck you Doug <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <funny>. <laughs> he fucking hates him for some reason <laughs> <laughs> there's so a, there's a teacher at the school like making in front of this openly making fun of the students like yep. everybody <laughs> oh shit and how many times johnny depp gets shot it's just funny <laughs> it's just so gratuitous and uh, the movie's so great i i started watching 22 uh this this week uh this morning but i haven't had a chance to finish and it's really funny too <laughs> yeah uh, and I love Dave Franco's character in it, how he's the douchebag um, hippie guy who what it's like to be cool in high school now <laughs> where they just punch the, the black kid I'm like, well, you punched him because he was gay. <laughs> so no, he just happened to, happened to be gay. 
doesn't happen to be gay. Why is there one just... two strap in it? I thought it was one strap. Yeah, yeah it's just uh, it's funny. I did uh, not think stuff. that movie would be great, but I walked out of that laughing. And the carrot on uh, the the cherry on top was the way Rob Riggle's character gets apprehended by the end of the first one. My dad. My, <laughs> my dad. <laughs> Pick up my dick for me. <laughs> I think it went down my asshole. <laughs> the other the great thing about two is it's also commentary on sequels. Do the oh, same yeah. shit. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, yeah, Ice Cube is is great in that. Infiltrate the school, find the supplier. But what if we infiltrate the school, find the supplier? <laughs> Get this guy some water. He's black. He's been through a lot. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, 22 is funny when they, you know, were literally across the street. <laughs> and, the, you know, the police department's all high tech now. and um, Got a bigger just, budget. <laughs> yeah, it's just a bigger budget. And he, Ice Cube is explaining to them why it's high tech is because it's a sequel and it has a bigger budget. <laughs> and, you know, when they see... expensive shoes uh, on, you can't even see them. <laughs> yeah, they, when they... Uh, go see Nick Offerman's character. He says, no, do the exact same thing <laughs> that you did before. There's also like a, do the exact same thing you did before. This, when they were being introduced to the new headquarters, like, like, like under Schmidt's breath, he says, like, it looks like a giant ice cube. <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's great. It's just, uh, it's lots of fun. For movies that are really self-aware... Um, I, I miss comedies like that. I haven't seen a comedy like that in so long. Yeah. Uh, they don't really come out that much anymore. Yep. Or at least be... not in the way we, not in, the, not in that kind of big way, like a big rollout like that. They're usually independent comedies at this point. Yeah. I can't think of anything recent in like the past two years that is a comedy like that. Palm Springs would have qualified, but that was more of a Hulu thing, wasn't it? Yeah, but that also yeah. had like a like a strong dramatic narrative to it. Mm. Exactly. I, I kind of just want something to be silly and fun. You know? Yeah, Holy I mean, shit, when did I get stabbed? <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like there there is that undercurrent of like what it means to be best friends, but Yeah. Like I guess it's a little bit like Palm Springs, but it still seems like it's it's more bonkers like super bad is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it almost seems like those are the end of an era. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, Brian, if you still haven't watched Brain Donors, that might fill your cup a little bit. That's one I still think you'll like from um, Dennis Dugan and Pat Prof to produced by the Zucker Brothers. Yeah, I need to. Yeah. You, you didn't pick it up yet, did you? <laughs> no. I, I, I need to just find a way to get a copy to you ASAP. I, just, it's 71 minutes. You're just going to laugh the entire time. <laughs> um. And the the only other thing I watched this week is it's on Netflix. It's called Blood Red Sky. Um, it's a vampire film that takes place on an airplane, and um, it's it's really like a mom and son story. This lady is uh, a vampire, and she gets bit by a vampire when her car breaks down. Uh, or her family's cars breaks down a few years before and her husband's killed and she's keeping her vampirism at bay with these drugs that she takes. And while she's on this transatlantic flight, it gets hijacked and 
uh, she gets shot. So she turns into her vampire side and um, starts attacking the hitch uh, the hitchhikers, the terrorists. And um, yeah, it's gory. Like the the violence is really cool. Uh, one of the annoying things in it, it have you guys ever seen Godzilla 1985? No. So in it, it's like a joint production of uh, Japanese, and then they bring in Raymond <laughs> Burr to be like um, the American side. So there's about one quarter of it that's in uh, English, and then the other is dubbed um, Japanese. So this film is German, but they have English and American actors in it as well. Huh. So is it people this, we'd know? Uh, sure. Uh, what's that one? Fuck, I forget his name. Like Dominic Purcell or something. Oh, okay, uh, okay. I think that's his name. But it's uh, it. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's kind of cool, uh, but it kind of gets distracting because some people are dubbed. The little boy in it's dubbed, and he sounds. Um, like David Cross and Run Ronnie Run, where it's oh. he's always going Ronnie Dobbs, Ronnie Dobbs. <laughs> it's um, it just it doesn't feel right. But then the other actors are speaking English while the other ones are dubbed. And I said, man, this is kind of annoying. So I brought up the um, options on Netflix, and you can watch it in German. And then, but then you're watching it, and there's speaking german and then the english actors are dubbed in german with english subtitles so it's just it's really bizarre um and i mean the the violence in it is cool um it's kind of a unique premise um uh but you know like i was talking about at the top of the show it's it's too long it's like two hours and 10 minutes long and you could cut about 30 minutes off of it and you'd still get the same story without all the superficial bullshit it takes way too long to get going and um the last i don't know 20 30 minutes are just it just feels like it's dragging with no conclusion insights um yeah so i mean it's cool um if you have netflix and you like horror films and you can get past the weird dubbing stuff um, it, it's a fine two hours, I guess. I don't know. Um, and that's all I watched this week. I forgot to ask you when you were talking about Twenty One Dump Street. Was their police academy like your police academy? Um, yeah. I mean, it's it's a lot of uh, testing, uh, you know, written tests, and a lot of. We call it we call them practicals where you have to do a lot of physical stuff and practically apply it to your job. Did you I do mean, the like warehouse thing with the dummies where you run through and like try not to shoot the civilians? Uh, not to that extreme, but you do have to do a, a course when you do firearms where you have to um, like uh, what we did is you had to do 20 push-ups and then run to the instructor. And he'd ask you a trivia question, um, you know, what is the mascot of Alabama's football team? And then you'd have to answer it right. And if you didn't answer it right, then you had to do 10 more push-ups. And then you'd have to run to um, the next, like, area. And the next instructor would say, okay, the suspect is wearing such and such clothes. 
and then there'd be a bunch of uh i guess targets that have these clothes and you have to identify the right one in a certain amount of time um i mean the big thing with that is you don't have to read anybody their miranda rights when they're arrested your miranda rights only come in effect when you're in a custodial interrogation meaning you're you've been arrested and i'm interviewing you about the crime i believe you've committed so i have to let you know that you have the right to not answer my questions which is the fifth amendment so um, you have a right to be attorney <laughs> I mean, technically, you do have the right to be your attorney. <laughs> <laughs> when you graduated, did you whisper to yourself, get ready for, to, uh, for a lifetime of being badasses? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Flipping my gun in the air. <laughs> you know? Did Wait, you... yours is loaded? That's not as fun. <laughs> did you also... Put your back in your mouth. Put it in there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like that. Fuck yeah, motherfucker. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, yeah, that's fun. <laughs> I love that movie. See, a, a, as that being my profession, I can look past like the stuff that doesn't really happen when you're in police work because the rest of the movie is entertaining. So, I was gonna say, as a police officer, can you like steal a student driving car and then just like go on a chase on the highway, <laughs> fire <laughs> guns randomly across the highway? No, no, no. <laughs> catch your guy. Yeah. I mean, can you take someone's car? Not really, because you're. That's still a crime, so. Um, we need this car. Oh, my God, you are so beautiful. <laughs> yeah, don't worry. Someone's going to pick you up you on up. the side of the road. <laughs> Why did it blow up yet? I thought it was going to blow up. <laughs> here, here, pretend you're sucking my, like you're sucking my dick. Why do I have to pretend I'm sucking your dick? Just pretend you're sucking my dick. <laughs> you're the one wearing the Peter Pan costume. <laughs> oh, shit. I love that movie. Um this week on Real Nerds Podcast, we saw Snake Eyes. Brad, do you recommend Snake Eyes? I don't know. Uh, I'd say as far as the G.I. Joe movies have gone so far, I think this is the best one of the three. Um, but, you know, we live in an age of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and a lot of the action sequences in this movie were really incomprehensible. I don't know if it was just me, but um, I could not follow the action at all um but the story wasn't too bad although i didn't think snake eyes was that gray of a hero um and uh, according to what I've, uh, I've talked to some gi joe fans and uh that apparently is not that accurate so i, I don't know i think overall um the story was pretty good but um you know it's, it's not the best thing out there right now zach should people see snake eyes um, I don't think so. Um, I was really bored in this movie, to be honest. Um, now the good news is when I went to go see this movie at the landmark Greenwood village, their credit card reader wasn't working. So they said, yeah, you can just go right on in. We don't care. To which my reaction was, you guys, uh, just opened after a pandemic. Don't you need, um, money ticket money at all to stay afloat? I don't know. I, I think they're contractually contractually obligated to show the film, even if no one buys a ticket. Gotcha. I think I've read that somewhere. Oh, yeah, that, that makes complete sense. But it was more just like, I, don't you think you'd want to, you know, actually take my money? Like, I, I did, you, did you take the free popcorn and the drink there? No, they I didn't. Have anymore. No, I didn't. Um, I didn't they don't really. have it anymore? Yeah, they took it away. Really? Huh. You didn't notice? No, I didn't because when I went to go see Cruella there, I didn't even bother to get popcorn because I was running late. But, no, that's... Yeah, they, um, they that's, took out the machines, like... <laughs> 
uh, it's all behind the counter now. Yeah, I was, I was really disappointed. So, but so it's not included in the ticket anymore. That's nope. That's... You got to buy it separate, which makes sense because they got to make money. But um, it's a bummer because that was the great thing about that place. Yeah, yeah, it is. I still like going in there. It's a nice little environment to sit in. But anywho, though, uh, as far as Snake Eyes is concerned, um, I, I got to be honest, I was really bored. Um, I, I mean, in world where I've seen the Mortal Kombat movie, <laughs> uh, this. This particular adaptation of a of a big franchise that's going towards um uh like a, a martial arts territory just kind of left me a little bit nonplussed. Uh, I think Henry Golding's really good um as a, as a performer and he does capture my attention, but the rest of the pieces were very hard to really give a give a shit about. Um and by the end of it. For a movie that's two hours, which with credits is probably about an hour and 50 minutes, this thing drags really long for me. Um, so I don't know. I, I guess like ultimately for me, G.I. Joe hasn't been a franchise that's been worth sticking with because they've barely been able to get anything out of it movie wise. So it's almost just like, why was this even made right now at this point? But it is cool to watch Henry Golding be an action star and have top billing in a movie like this. So like, I, I, I can't completely fault it, but I, I just, I don't think it's worth your time. Uh, I'm actually more in the boat with Brad. I actually think this movie is pretty fun. Um, I, you know, I, I didn't expect a lot going into it. In fact, I totally forgot it was coming out um, until a couple weeks ago. And I actually think it's really fun. And I think some of the cinematography is really cool. I like the the fight scene in the alleys of Japan where they had the neon lights going. Um, but I also agree with Brad. I, I don't it, I, the action. It seems like it's edited poorly and it's too uh, quick cut. So it's really hard to follow it sometimes because um, when they just kind of settled down and let the action play out, it looked really well. But there's times when he's fighting all the dudes in the um, uh the wharf, I guess, where they're fishing. Oh, with the and, uh, the Yakuza gang at the beginning? Yeah, and he's fighting them, and then it seems like it's just cutting at weird spots. Mm. Um, yeah. Because it's trying to go back between him and Tommy, and you are like, you go, okay, um, I don't know. But I still had a lot of fun with it. I think Henry, Henry Golding's really great. Here's the trailer for Snake Eye. <laughs> trouble someone is this man betrayed our trust do it you saved my life we are going home i don't have a home not yours Mine. I can't change your past, but I can offer you a purpose. For 600 years, our ninja have brought peace to the world. I believe in you. Alright, what do I have to do? I gotta get him a sword now! 
challenges of the warrior. I'm on a new level. The three challenges in the one now? If you survive, you'll gain access to our knowledge and our power. Cobra is coming. What's Cobra? A shadow organization devoted to global revolution. I've been following you for some time. Do I know you? I know you, Snake Eyes. Join us. This is your destiny. And before we get into it, here's what Corinne had to say about Snake Eyes. Hey nerds, it's Corinne. Just wanted to call in with my thoughts about Snake Eyes since I wasn't able to join you on the episode this week since I'm out of town. But overall, I had really low expectations of the movie, and even then, I still didn't like it very much. I mean, Henry Golding's always good to see, but the movie was just so bland. And uh, especially the first, like, 20, 30 minutes, uh, the pacing was really weird. I didn't appreciate the way, like, the camera was just, like, jiggling around so much during the action scenes. And it was just really frustrating. They kind of got settled into, uh, I mean, a pretty straightforward, but just kind of generic style with the rest of the movie. It wasn't really anything to write home about. Um but admittedly, I don't know much about the G.I. Joe franchise. I didn't even know if Snake Eyes, I'm like, is he a villain? Is he a hero? Is he an anti-hero? Have no idea. And then at the very end, when we get the whole Storm Shadow thing, I'm like, oh, I guess that's another person on the franchise and he's a villain? Okay, so this was like the hero origin story for Snake Eyes and the villain origin story for... Um, Storm Shadow, I guess. Okay. It was, I mean, I wasn't, like, tempted to walk out at any point, but I was definitely, like, maybe it's a good thing I'm in the theater because if I was watching this at home, I probably would have clicked off at some point or whatever. It's, a. Yeah, I don't know if they made a, a sequel or any others in this franchise. I don't know if I would watch it. I'm not that heavily invested, but I guess that's like the upshot of like the whole post movie pass era is that, you know, as long as you have like a flat subscription to the theater, whether it's Alamo or Regal or AMC or whatever, you know, you can kind of take a chance on these movies that, you know, maybe I'll like them, maybe I won't because you're paying the same amount every month each way. Uh, anyway, so you might as well just, as long as you have the time and the energy, it's like, sure, why not go give it a, give it a chance. But yeah, sorry. I wasn't feeling snake eyes at all. It was pretty lame. Not even Henry Golding could save this. I did like, um, hard master and blind master. I thought they were probably the funnest characters out of the whole bunch that they, I don't know, they just felt unique and felt like they had a little bit of personality and they were just, you know, it it reminded me of that scene in Lion King where Rafiki just starts wailing on the hyenas. 
was a little bit like that whenever the <laughs> hard master and blind master finally got the chance to just like wreck shit in the finale and i'm like thank you like let's actually see them be like masters of their craft rather than just like you know saying just generically wise things about like finding your self center whatever bullshit so yeah definitely would not recommend snake eyes even though henry golding is a very talented and handsome actor dang it so charming so charming (laughs) so i am excited to see the green knight this weekend i've been really hyped for that ever since i saw the poster trailer whatever um um it's just it's just gonna be a good time i think so um maybe i'll have to talk about it with you guys when i see you for the 500th episode next week and until then hope you all have a good time so yeah the only thing that corinne liked about it was henry golding surprise i don't think Um, it's very fair to expect uh tea and uh biscuits out of this movie that just doesn't seem what they were going for at all corinne no (laughs) Did it feel, too, that it should have been rated R? I felt like they should have embraced the violence. Okay, thank you for bringing that up, because (laughs) maybe that's why I was a little nonplussed, because every time they look like they're about to cut away to somebody bleeding, it's conveniently not there. Like when um, when the chief of security gets hit on the nose, and she grabs her nose, and you think she's going to pull out blood and whatnot, they just conveniently hide it away. Anytime somebody's about to show blood, they conveniently turn or something goes on. And I was just like, just show some blood. It's not like, I don't think anybody's going to care. It's, it's wasn't the um, retaliation. Didn't that have like an obtuse amount of violence when it came out? I remember it being rather intense. So, Uh, Yeah. Anyway, snake eyes follows a young uh, boy whose dad is killed by the twist, Cobra. You can see that coming a mile away. Um, and he grows up to be a martial arts guy fighting underground, making money. And he catches the eyes of the Yakuza. And then he works on a dock. I don't know. Some of the some of the plot in the movie, I just went, I just rolled with it. Somebody's okay. got to gut the fish to to stow away weapons for arms arms dealing. Ryan, you know this. <laughs> I just rolled with it. You know the part two. How did he know he had to get blood from Tommy to open up the vault with the ultimate MacGuffin? Because <laughs> they, a... they said the line that blood is more important in our family. Or is the most important thing in our family. No, no early, I didn't even catch it. No, early on they explained that the vault opens with like his DNA. So, oh, oh, I remember that. <laughs> um, but I actually really liked the scenes too with him and Tommy. I thought it was really an interesting dynamic, and I thought it was a cool uh, plot twist that he kind of worked uh, for the bad guys too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, apparently that's not. Snake Eyes' origin story. Um, yeah, I don't know anything about his origin story, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, Jesse was telling me that yeah, Snake Eyes, like Snake Eyes, really screwed that guy over. <laughs> like Tommy's not uh, supposed to be the, like that much of, like the villain. Um, like Storm Shadow is his opposite, but like to get there, so uh, Snake Eyes did some awful stuff. <laughs> is Snake Eyes an actual? bad guy or is he a joe i don't even remember my brother used to love gi joes i don't remember anything from it though i I was just told he was a joe but like i sat through the movie not knowing Mm -hmm. i was like 
I remember him being a Joe from the other two movies, but the way this movie's going, it seems like he might have been a Cobra character that they're making a Joe. That's that. There was some confusion there on my part, and I wasn't sure either. But I guess me not knowing was me already losing half the battle. And growing up, I thought he was a Cobra guy. <laughs> Thank so. you, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. Like, I think it might have helped that I don't know the backstories as well. I mean, I still had fun with it. I mean, there's moments in it that, I mean, it's pretty silly. But if you're willing to just accept a movie and have fun, I, I think you can do a lot worse. You could go see Space Jam. Yeah, that, I I know the, that's true. The villain has a, a glowing rock that uh, incinerates people um, just by, I guess, pointing at things and wishing. Um, so <laughs> that's pretty ridiculous. <laughs> um, I do like too so. when Scarlet and Baroness were shooting at each other and outrunning the bullets. I mean, that's pretty cool too. Mm-hmm. And even though the bad guy has that power, he neglects to use it <laughs> at the most important parts of his fight. <laughs> and he was taken out by fireworks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and there's well, giant I mean, CGI snakes, um, yeah. which. They're not Cobra, but they have the snakes. I, uh. Yeah, you have to be pure of heart. Um, Which snakes and sense. Clear of, clear of ego yeah. and full of selflessness. Yeah. Something, something, something. I, I, they're you not turn associated off your, with Cobra. You know what? Yeah, I, you, you turn off your brain. It's a fun movie. I, I still had fun with it. I thought, like I said, I thought the fights were pretty cool um, when they slowed them down and it wasn't so kinetic. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah, had fun that, with that, that, that uh, like highway chase that, or the tunnel chase where it's like so dark and then I yeah there's just cars coming up and shooting at people and uh, mm-hmm. I guess civilians are just being murdered uh, yeah or, or there's a part where he says you know he drives the car off the uh, the truck and how did he know that dude those guys shooting at him were shooting at him because you, you couldn't as a fil- as a watcher of the film I had no idea who the bad guys were yeah, who's shooting at who? And, like, is this caravan <laughs> even associated with, like, weren't they just minutes ahead of them? Like, how'd they catch up so fast? <laughs> yeah. And then, like, the, I guess, the head of the family, uh, that old lady, um, you know, they make a big deal of, like, hey, if you don't pass this test, we're going to have to kill you. And mm-hmm. then she gives, like, all his excuses, like, okay, we'll let you live because you did this. we we'll let you live because you did this. And then they get to, like, her grandson. It's like, you use the orb one time we might have to banish you. It's just like, what? (laughs) He used it to stop their clan from being burned down. Because he stopped stopped being pure of heart, guys. He stopped being pure of heart. The hero of the movie fucked everybody over constantly. And he gets to like, (laughs) like he gets to keep his sword and he gets to go work for the Joes. Yeah, he gets a sweet costume. So, so is the moral of the story, life is unfair. (laughs) Yeah, You'll, <laughs> things work out if you cheat your friends and exploit them and trick them. Okay, um, th- th- thanks, GI Joe. Now I know. GI <laughs> <G>. Joe. <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> yeah, that was so weird. There's a uh, there is a scene that I love in this movie. Uh, in the first trial, when he when the challenge is, um, you have to take my bowl of water. Um, from me while not spilling your bowl of water. And he goes through like several different tries. And then finally he just says, may I please exchange my bowl for yours? <laughs> I was like, that that's was, really cool. <laughs> I was proud of myself. I was like, he should not do anything. Just ask for the bowl. And that's the test. And yeah. Like, yes. Like I passed. Yep. I have to do a three. You times could, to you find could out. be snake guys. Yep. <laughs> totally. 
Uh, well, you know, I'm not duplicitous and treacherous, so I don't think I'd get very far. But wait, <laughs> <Snake> wait, <eyes. laughs> Brad, was your father murdered by a weird uh, German slash Euro guy who rolls dice that are loaded so that you're, he's going to kill you no matter what? <laughs> no. No? Okay, then you can't be Snake Eyes. That's very specific. <laughs> also, because I'm not a G.I. Joe guy, I-, I need to know from Jesse or whoever does does Snake Eyes get his name because of the dice thing, or because? Well, yeah, obviously. Okay, that seems. Oh, you mean in the cartoon? I have no idea. Yeah, because if so, that seems stupid. But I don't know. That's the thing. Is the thing where like you never see Snake Eyes's face, so right away, um, that's like a deviation. I'll, I'll yeah, s- but I mean, if you're telling an origin story, though, you kind of have to give him some character. You just can't be a silent ninja the whole time. Oh, no, for sure. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I'm just saying, like, I'm sure G.I. Joe Pierce are just like, ah, they showed his face. What the hell? Yeah. I, I mean, in, in the in Rise of Cobra and Retaliation, did Snake Eyes talk at all? I can't no. remember. No. Okay. I don't think so. So then it's weird yeah, that he... I remember he's a silent costume dude who would just swoop in. That Ray Park played at one point. So, huh. Okay. Interesting. But yeah, I will say I appreciated like a cool martial arts movie. Like we've we've already gotten between this and Mortal Kombat, we did get some martial arts action going on. And it was fun, but I, I agree the editing in those sequences is pretty off. And I, I don't know, I just it just didn't do it for me. But I just remember the head of security. You know, she's like tough as nails, constantly spying on him. Like, where'd you go? And he's like, uh, so yeah, uh, I have a backstory where my dad died. And she's like. <gasps> I trust you now <laughs> for like the rest of the movie. It was so laughable. Like I'll lay down my life for this guy who told me that like this may be true story. Yeah. It's not realistic whatsoever. I mean, it's GI Joe. It doesn't need to be realistic, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. Also just co- do Cobra and Joe form temporary alliances in this fucking universe? I don't know. <laughs> they sometimes must, you have to, sometimes you have to, form alliances for the greater good okay but, but she's called the baroness you clearly can't trust her I, ah well she helped him she did she did she's a fucking terrorist i don't know <laughs> Man, i know the firework after the fireworks blew up did she say fuck this i'm out yeah yeah was that the like pg-13 f-bomb yep there you go got it in there looked pretty I was curious i was like i think she said that but it was kind of muffled but yeah yeah also, there is something in this movie that I noticed, and I didn't know if this was just their intention or if this was, like, post-COVID edit. Oh, we forgot to double-check this. There's some, like, weird lines that overlap in a cut between scenes where, it's like, a word is lingering. And I'm like, I don't think that's needed. I think you could have taken that one particular word out or moved it to the original shot before you cut away. Like, it's, like, lingering ADR. <laughs> um, I didn't even notice. Oh, I mean, I, I'd want to, like, pause it. And like go through the moments and be like, is this needed? Tell me if I'm if I'm crazy, that's fine. But I mean, I already am. But anyway, yeah, yeah. It's it's clear they're Ooh. trying to you know reboot the franchise kind of to do like do the Marvel model of introducing the characters and eventually you know there'll probably be a huge Joe team up movie. But that's what I'm saying. Like like I've seen Marvel movies and you know a lot of this stuff you got to raise the bar on. Yeah. Yeah. It's not as I've been saying this for, you know, 10 years now. It's not as simple as just connecting everything. You know what I mean? You have to have, you have to have stakes involved or 
you know, people have to be aware of what you're doing. That's why when Nick Fury shows up and says, you know, the Avengers initiative, people know what you're talking about. Yeah. You, you, yeah. you also have to have characters that you can actually care for and that aren't just designed to make toys. So that's, that's another like, important thing to have. Like it's great having Samara weaving in there, but I'm just like, does Scarlet need to be in this plot? Like is really that essential or the Baroness, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's cool, but it's definitely not needed. It just felt like there to like reinforce that it's a GI Joe movie. Cause everything else could just be a, you know, a Yakuza movie, you know? Yeah. Well, agreed. then you guys wouldn't like my idea for the ending of this movie, which would have been having uh, Cobra Commander being told about Snake Eyes, and he goes, Snake Eyes, I have to keep my eye on him. And then that's where the movie ends. <laughs> I just want to. I was once a man. <laughs> what they need to do is just have someone step out from behind a wall and just go, like, pork chop sandwiches. <laughs> no, that'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. And you also you need to get Joseph Gordon-Levitt back as Cobra Commander. <laughs> I was once a man. <laughs> Has anyone watched the GI Joe movie, the cartoon? He said he says that constantly. Yeah, That's why I'm saying I was it. once a man. Because <laughs> <laughs> they turn him into an actual snake. Yep. <laughs> you need to make a remix of that, like with He Man saying what's going, singing what's going on. You just need to have a remix of him going, "I was once a man." <laughs> I I I was once a man. <laughs> Anywho, uh, next week on Real Nerds, we're finally doing it. 500th episode where we will reveal the 100 films that the Real Nerds think are the best over our 10 years. And uh, I've mentioned this before, but I think some people are going to have broken hearts, Brad. What do you think? Oh, we're just going to stomp on all their hopes and dreams with this list. I have a yeah, feeling by the end of it, one of the beloved real nerds will die. No. Um, yeah. the, the, what, I'll drop this little tantalizing piece of ham. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, oh, sweet there, ham. Is, there is several films that are only on one of the nerds' lists. And I'm talking about every nerd um, that are ranked really high that did not make it on the list. It's simple math. It's going to happen. Yeah. It's just, it's really fascinating when I went through on some, some people would have, you know, one movie really high and no one else would pick it and it would not end up on the list. And I'll also give this little thing. So I, I, I mentioned that, you know, if you not, the number one films are worth a hundred points, all the way down to a hundred is worth one. You had to, the film had to get a total of ninety nine points to even make the list. So, um, there's a lot of interesting things. I have a, a lot of interesting facts about the list uh. that I think might surprise some people uh, um, it's okay ryan if it took 499 episodes to hear you say the phrase tantalizing piece of ham <laughs> <laughs> it was if all worth else. it <laughs> i don't care that's the name of the documentary on the real nerds podcast is a tantalizing <laughs> piece of ham <laughs> i have no I'd idea like where i pulled out. that from <laughs> i'd also like to reinforce that this isn't just our favorite movies of the past 10 years it's our favorite featured movies because there are some great movies 
that I love that we didn't make as an episode title. You know, yeah, I've watched like we've watched way more than 500 movies. Oh, yeah. In the yeah. And we actually have way more than 500 episodes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, um, official so episodes. It's not everything. It's just based on the featured movies. Yeah. Yes. That. So, um, you know, there's a lot of great things that I love that, you know, like Father's Day wouldn't make the list because we didn't do an episode on it. <laughs> I have a feeling that Keanu didn't sweep in somehow. Um, oh, well. I did post today on our Twitter feed. So um, for some reason, Corinne only put in 50 movies. But by doing that, um, she gave a lot of points to movies that maybe um, wouldn't have made as big of impact if she hadn't. So I don't know if she was doing like a joke because I always tease her about pride and prejudice and zombies. But I had it. Um, At 101. I, forget, I had it. I had it like in the thirties and she had it where it had 60 points and it almost made the top hundred because of it. Really? Yikes. Because she did not spread out those movies. So that almost snuck in there. Do you, and I would have laughed. <laughs> do you think that she thought she only needed to do 50 cause she's only been on 50 episodes? No, she told me she wasn't going to do a hundred uh, because she's a, she's a stick in the mud and I hope she listens to this episode. And I'm going to tell it to her face uh, when we do this podcast next week. Yeah, I think that she's she overwhelmed, is, but uh, it's not that hard. No, because I mean, here's the th- here's the thing. I mean, I'll <laughs> there. Um, so every uh, this isn't going to be shocking to everybody. I put every Spider-Man movie on the list. What? However, only one of them did not make the top 100. So, um, but one of them. I only put I put really high and only one other person put on their list. But because I put it really high, it's it's on the list. So, um, yeah. Let me ask, because I I I did not do this because I wanted to be fair. Did anybody else put North by Northwest on their list? Because it technically was a featured episode. Um, No, I. I left that off too. I didn't do any retro films too. I should clarify. Yeah, I, I avoided I dis- that as well. <laughs> I disqualified, I think, four of Henry's because he did put Last Action Hero and um, a couple other ones, but I guess I wasn't clear enough on them. Mm. I don't think Henry yeah. did it to be malicious. I just think. Oh, um, yeah, no. It's. Yeah, it, I thought early on we decided like Nerdemics and stuff were kind of. I, I thought so list. too, but maybe I didn't explain it well enough. Um, because I mean, if that was the case, then yeah, I mean, it, it, it doesn't matter either way. I just like, I was tempted to put it on there and then put in, in parentheses, sorry guys, you shouldn't have made this a movie of the week. Ha 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 ha. But then I was like, nah, that's, that's not fair. They've worked their asses off for 10 years. Like th- th- this needs to be actually accurate. <laughs> I think our so, yeah. episode, Ryan did three evil dead movies and like, should that count? No, <laughs> no, yeah. that is a fun no. episode though. <laughs> But but yeah. does an Evil Dead movie make the cut? Hmm. I'm pretty sure it does. Because if it didn't, I'd be rather furious. But not hmm. fast. Just furious. Seven. Interesting. <laughs> you only have to wait six days to find out. One thing's for sure. Mank is on, not on that list. I know that for a fact. So How do you know? Ooh, Ryan. <laughs> How do you know? <laughs> it, it couldn't have been anybody else. <laughs> I can only be the I can be the only one that did this. 
Another cool thing is, reportedly, I think uh, most of us will be in the same room to record this. So, yeah. So, so it's you, me, Ryan, James coming. James I haven't heard. Has expressed uh, a belief in attending because it's not that far from his house. Um, I think Corinne should be there. I think she's going to be back. We're doing the second, right? I want to make sure I got that right. Yeah, yeah, I had it down as the second as well. Five p.m. 5 p.m. Um, yeah, yeah, I think. Yeah, I don't know what Henry's up to, but. Yeah, I mean, I think he might be in New York. I don't know. We can still get him in here. We have the power of the internet. Um, yeah, well, f- hopefully. If, yeah, if, it'll be a lot of fun. If, um, I'll, I'll try to send those questions you read. I'm sorry. I literally have worked 75 hours in the last, like, six days. Um, yeah. Well, you only but, got six days left, so make it happen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah I'll, um, but we do have some fun games planned. And two prizes, like I said, I have a Rhea and uh, something else. <laughs> Just tell us the fucking booby prize. <laughs> That's not nope. fun. No, it's not as fun. I'm not going to show it till the person gets the prize. That's going to be me. I know it anyways. Just tell me what I'm putting in my house. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, thanks, boys. I got to put my kid to bed. Yeah. Thank Appreciate you. It. Thank you all, gentlemen, for a wonderful tantalizing piece of ham. Yes, tantalizing piece of ham. <laughs> it's not going away, no Ryan. Why. Yeah, yeah, you said it, Ryan, and now it's an official part of my lexicon going forward. <laughs> no, I know. I don't know why I said it. That's what happens when you do improv for a living, uh, when you're in high school, Yeah, and you try for to say something living. funny, and then for you realize li- improv sucks. <laughs> do you, you improvise know, like, on the job? <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, uh, I mean, in high school. And um, <laughs> it reminds me of 22 Jump Street. It's like, we need suggestions. A dirty tampon. <laughs> <laughs> Something else. I forget uh, all the suggestions, but it's funny. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, cool. for 499 tantalizing pieces of ham, and we'll see you for the 500. Right. <laughs> That's right. The juiciest ham. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Nebulous Visions Multimedia. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening and have a nice day.